0: Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to join us here on The Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. Clark.com is our main web address. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to get all the deals. And speaking of which, today, no Clark Rageous moment. We're going to have sizzling deals for you coming up in just 20 minutes. That's right. I didn't say a sizzling deal. I said sizzling deals because there's a lot of bargain opportunities going on today. And later this hour, I know this is freaky weird, but if you get a robotic vacuum or lawnmower, a device like that, it can be spying on you and we've got more and more internet-connected devices, what's called IOTs, coming into our homes, our businesses. I'm going to tell you what kind of creepazoid stuff these devices might do other than simply vacuum your floors. That's coming up in just a half hour. So this is a news of the weird kind of item. Do you know that Amazon is testing in five locations scattered around the country having the equivalent of convenience stores. But they're more like the kind of stuff you'd go buy at CVS or Walgreens. And what they call daily essentials. Is a bag of chips a daily essential? I guess it depends on the person or whatever it is. They have with what's known as instant pickups. So they've opened up strategically located in, I'll tell you, the cities, all near college campuses, Los Angeles, Berkeley, Atlanta, Columbus, Ohio by OSU, and College Park, Maryland by University of Maryland. And so they're testing if there's a business for them running convenience stores slash drug stores, no pharmacy counter. And they are, gosh, I'm going to take you back in history. There used to be something very prominent in New York called, I think they were called automats that you would go to and you'd get food and there'd be people working behind the scenes and they'd put food into these um, drawers and you'd open a drawer to get your food. That's kind of what Amazon is doing here except you order on your phone you go to the drawer they've assigned you you then open it with a one-time use code and there's no uh cashier to go to or anything like that you just walk out of the store with your stuff and so amazon is continuing to experiment you know they they came up with the money yesterday to proceed forward with their Proposed purchase of Whole Paycheck. And I think the Whole Foods purchase is more about learning how to do retail than most any other thing, but who knows with Amazon. And so you have traditional retailers trying to execute better and better strategies to serve you. I don't know if you heard the announcement about Target, and it was good news about Target. Target has looked like a wounded duck of retail. Target just reported better profits and better sales and also announced a new initiative for Target to be able to do ultra-efficient deliveries. So we've got traditional retailers trying to become steadily more sophisticated deliveries. Now we have Amazon trying to do things uh, that traditional retailers do but with a twist. And the Amazon thing... Seems so much like a modern version of service merchandise to me, I can't stand it, if you remember that late retailer. But the competition, oh, do I love competition. Lee is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lee, how are you doing? I'm great, Clark, how are you? Great, thank you. So, Lee, you want to ask about something that I did a double test on. Really? Yeah. What is it you're interested in doing?
1: Well, I actually searched your website for an answer to this question, but couldn't find one. So I emailed the question. Um, There's so many DNA tests out there now. Um, You know, a lot of them are advertised on TV, on the radio. And I I, I was wondering if you knew how to kind of sift through which ones are legitimate and which ones do what tests i mean do they all do the same thing do certain ones do ancestry and certain ones do um you know what you might be susceptible to or what you might have in terms so so let me tell
0: you my experience what i did for my tv work is i was the lab rat to test the two largest ones which are ancestry.com and 23andme and ancestry.com is very very heavily just about building that family tree where 23andMe will give you the genetic information you may or may not be comfortable having once you get it (laughs) and it will also give you a fair amount of history on what you're made up of. Now the two results of you know on my ancestral background were not identical, but they were as close as somebody playing a game of horseshoes. They were very, very close on what each of them said. My background was where in the world my ancestors were from and what made that up, you know, what percent. Um, the thing that was particularly interesting to me was with 23 me being able to see if there were any Uh, Genes I was passing on to my children that would lead to any uh, severe uh, or chronic conditions for them down the road. And I was really relieved that I had nothing that I was leading my kids into something that might be a real problem for them. And the only thing that I found was, and I got to tell you this, I talked about this before on the air before, Lee, but you may not have heard it, Um, there was a thing I got saying we have information on your risk of getting Alzheimer's and we want you to read this briefing first and see if you want to have this information or if you wish for us not to share it with you and it went into this uh, much longer than I needed explanation about the fact that I had to be comfortable having that information and knowing it in advance and so what I found out From the genetic testing, is that I have a 25% chance of having Alzheimer's by my 75th birthday and a 51% chance by my 85th birthday. I'm the kind of person that I want to know. Many other people would rather not know and would be uncomfortable with that information. Now, as I've told my wife after I got that, I'm really flaky. And it's going to be really hard for her to tell when it's just me being flaky, <laughs> and when it's that I have some form of dementia or Alzheimer's.
1: Wow! So, th- so they they asked you in advance, even at that. I mean, not that that not that twenty five and fifty is is necessarily low chances, but you know, I mean, I think that's lower than seventy and eighty. And they'd ask they asked you before they even divulge that
0: exactly because there are people who can't deal with that. But I would say that of the two if you're are you more interested in the medical or are you more interested in family
1: um I, I mean i guess i would say genetics more so but i, I mean it'd be fun to find out the ancestry but i, I guess if i was going to spend the money i'd probably spend the money on the genetics
0: part. Then, then i would say of the two bigs do 23 and me and that's really kind of the dividing line i know that um that there are some family members of mine that were only interested in the ancestry. I have a first cousin who did that part, and he's loved seeing so much about the family history. That was, wasn't my thing. I really wanted to see what my health risks were, and that's why 23andMe was so great. Jeff joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Jeff. I can't believe you're going to ask me this question, because <laughs> I just well, first, went through this with my son.
2: Oh, okay. Well, first of all, before I ask my question, Clark, I just want to thank you so much for the service you provide. Um, what, a great, what a great ministry, man. I, I listen to you every day when I'm in the States, and I learn something new daily. So, Well, you
0: are, you you are so much. kind to say that. Where do you yeah. tend to go overseas? Well I, uh, I'm a missionary
2: in Kenya, so I'm only in the states uh, you know very infrequently and for a short time. but when I'm here, I listen to you. <laughs> uh,
0: now excuse my ignorance, but isn't Kenya where there's a lot of unrest right now about <laughs> about a, a um, fixed election? Is that right? Yes
2: absolutely.
0: Do you need and to uh, stay out of country right now because of that? Yeah. Is it too dangerous? Actually, you know, Clark, I was
2: scheduled for a home assignment anyway, and it just happened to fall uh, during the election time that I was in America, so I was very fortuitous there.
0: Somebody was watching out for you, huh? (laughs) Amen. He always has.
2: (laughs) Well, but I wanted to uh, ask you um, about what you think about refurbished computers. (sighs)
0: Okay. Okay. So I um, I used for three years a refurb computer that worked very well till it didn't, but I only paid $107 for it. Right, yeah. And that's the beauty of a refurb. If you're buying an ultra-inexpensive computer, it's worth the gamble to buy a refurb. If okay. you're buying one where you start moving into hundreds of dollars... I think the difference in price between the refurb and a new doesn't make it worth it buying the refurb. Okay. Remember, it was refurb for a reason. It could have been as simple as somebody uh, returned it just because they didn't want it after they bought it, but more often it's because something wasn't right and you're depending on the fact that the, that the third-party firm doing the refurbishment did a good job. Kind of give me the sense of the price difference between buying the computer you're interested in new and buying it as a refurb.
2: Well, actually, you know, I was just going on some of the different websites that have refurbished computers, and I saw quite, you know, they're, like you said, it's, it's, it's a huge difference in price, and and like you, I, I thought, well, my goodness, you know, for this this price if it lasted me three or maybe four years it it would be worth it so i'm actually not really shopping for a new laptop at this point but i saw that refurbs were so cheap i just wanted to get the masters
0: (laughs) oh well i don't know who that is but but i'll tell you where my son fits into this recently i went with him to get get a laptop and there was a great deal on a refurb it was 100 and something, so it was like, it was, again, that my mentality, what could we lose? And I said, I'd like to see it before we buy it, and they said, no, you can't see it till after you buy it, but then you can return it. So I pay for it, and right in front of the cashier, we open it up, and the thing looked like it had been through a couple of world wars. Oh, my. And so I went right back to the service desk, so the whole thing took like... After then waiting in line for a cashier and then waiting in line at the service desk, it took about 20, 25 minutes to pay for it and then get a credit. But that was, that was just an unfortunate thing. The, the refurb I used for three years just looked great, worked great, and did everything till it pretty much I had uh, I'd exhausted it. Right. Beaten well, it that it
2: up. Would be, that would be my concern, you know, if I buy it here in the States and then take it to Kenya, and
0: all right, let me can't. give you a deal. Do you want a a Windows computer, a Mac, or do you want a Chromebook?
2: Well, I don't really understand. I I understand the difference between the Windows and the the Apple, but I don't understand uh, really what a Chromebook... Chromebook
0: probably would not be right for you in Kenya because you'd have to have a reliable, always-on Internet connection. Sure. But I wanted to tell you about a deal that's going on right now at a retailer that is... Located in a lot of major cities in the country, usually just one or two locations in a city, is Micro Center. I don't know if you ever heard of them. No. Uh, they're selling a uh, very high-powered 15.6-inch laptop. I think it's a Lenovo for 199 has a one-terabyte hard drive. Oh, very inexpensive, obviously. Wow. And if you go to our ClarkDeals.com site, there's okay. a link over where you can see if they have a store near you and possibly get that deal. Normally, at this time, you would be hearing today's Clark Rage's moment, but we gotta talk. We gotta talk sizzling deals because there are two weird things going on today that, if they fit you, could save you a lot of money. One of them started yesterday and their computer crashed. And that is Movie Pass, which I've talked about from time to time in the past. Went for a Hail Mary pass starting yesterday. They are selling unlimited movie theater visits. Well, one a day per for all month long. 30 you can see 30 movies a month in the theater for $10 a month. Don't adjust your hearing cuz you probably paid more than 10 for your last visit to a movie theater. You just pay the 10 a month, kind of like a Netflix subscription, and you can go to the movie all you want. Now, AMC is fighting mad and saying they're going to do everything they can to block MoviePass customers from being able to come to movies in their theaters. I don't understand the business model, but 10 a month for MoviePass.com, check it out. It is a crazy, silly cheap deal if you like going to see movies on the big screen. And then your cell phone screen, Sprint that is trying so hard to get market share and by the way seems to finally be making money, Sprint is offering a deal today that's good for your use all the way to fall of next year where you pay $100 a month for Five lines of service with unlimited data, unlimited text, and unlimited talk on them. So $20 a month per line, $100 for all five, plus the normal junk fees. What a deal. Thanks for joining us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main web address, clarkdeals.com, where you go to save money. So we used to have uh, an Echo device, and we still have it. It just gathers dust. I guess we should re-gift it to somebody. And we had it at one time in our bedroom, and then there was the report that Amazon was always listening And my wife went over when she heard that, saw it, I think she saw it in her Facebook feed, and she went over the wall and unplugged it. I said, why'd you unplug that? She said, well, it's always listening to everything going on. I don't want it spying on me. So I moved it to the kitchen and then we moved it to the dustbin because the Google Home device is so much better. But anyway... It's also listening all the time. So if you have a Google Home, it's always got its ears perked up. And so there are these privacy issues. And in this area called IoT, the Internet of Things, with everything connected like these doorbells I'm so excited about, the Ring, they're connected to the Internet and collecting information, the cameras I talk about. But what about the vacuum cleaner? There is a very long investigative report done by the Financial Times of London that is all about how the vacuum cleaner people are using the artificial intelligence and the vacuum cleaners that allow them to robotically clean your house to spy on you. And I know this is like weird. What could the vacuum know? One of the things they can do, if you have a Roomba or something like that, is they can chart out the exact dimensions of your home. There are any of a number of people in real estate work that would like to have much more detailed information on houses than what they get from, let's say, tax records that a county might have or something like that. And then imagine this as the vacuum cleaner's cleaning it can determine apparently what stuff it's picking up in the vacuum so it might figure out you like Doritos chips and next thing you know when you're looking at a site on your phone ads might start popping up for Doritos chips or whatever it is you like to do this is weird stuff so the people that, that own iRobot have said and confirmed to the Financial Times that they are not ruling out selling the data like this, the information collected, and they have a three-year plan to use the data in what they refer to as more creative ways. So, how weird. And who knows what other things devices are going to be able to do. The question is, what are we going to have as ground rules? Europe has gone a very different way than we have. Europe has extremely strict rules... On what any organization can collect about you on any website or on any device. And you have to give permission. I do a lot of research for the show, reading uh, European and Asian English language publications. And when I read the European publications, they all have this disclaimer that comes up, and it won't let me do anything till I acknowledge how things work, and that I have to give them permission, which I don't have to give, by the way, to see content, to do this, that, or the other with my information. In the United States, we are totally letting this be the Wild West. And the question is, does it stifle innovation in Europe having privacy rules? Like the? in Europe, they have something called the right to be forgotten. So if there's information about you on the web that could be potentially dangerous because you used to be in an abusive relationship and you're trying to hide out from that abusive person, in Europe you have the ability to block that information from being available on a web search where you might be or any information about you. We have nothing for personal safety or privacy in the U.S., and I think that's something that we really need to consider and look at how we ensure and to think that your vacuum cleaner could be spying on what munchies you're eating or whatever else. That is really creepy. Tammy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Tammy. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you. Tammy, speaking of people having too much nosy information about you, you have discovered that something that seems like they wouldn't need to spy on you too much, they want to. Tell me.
1: I'm shopping around for uh, comparative uh, insurance rates for my home and automobiles, and several of the companies that I'm calling are asking me for my Social Security number, which I have refused to give them, and uh, I was just curious about that. Why are they asking for that?
0: So, there are several reasons why, why they might be asking, uh, but insurers, as a routine, will not quote you without your social security number because they want to, first and primary, in most states, they want to check your credit. Uh-huh. Because many insurers make the number one factor in your rate for auto or homeowner's insurance what your credit score is and there's a there's a special version of the credit score that's uh, geared towards the insurance industry and there is this strong belief in the insurance business that your credit score is a much clearer indication of what they should be charging you than even what your driving record has been
2: And
1: and is that true? Is there any science
0: behind that? That has been argued about for years and years. My belief has been that setting people's rates for auto insurance based on credit score is ridiculous because how you drive, how many tickets you've had, if you've ever had a DUI or DWI, that should be what they're looking at. But Mm -hmm. the insurers are convinced that credit score is their best way. Now, the other reason they might want your Social Security number is to pull up a a database that is maintained by LexisNexis that is called the Clue Report, and you have a Clue Report on you as a driver, and then there is a Clue Report on the house that you live in. Mm -hmm. And so the Social Security number... I think is central to them being able to pull up your clue report, at least as a driver.
1: Okay, is the clue report available to individuals?
0: Yes, you can just- see your own clue report, and I've they've changed their web address, so producer Joel is looking up now so I can give it to you, and your clue is available to you for free oh, once great. a year. And again, the, w- the weird thing about the clue on the house is the where your driving report follows the driver, not the car. The home report follows the home, not the homeowner. I see. So the web address you go to is you don't do a www for this. You do personal Personal report. Is it reports with an S? Reports with an S. Dot Lexisnexus. Nexus. lexus Nexus I should spell. L E X I S N E X I S dot com. And uh, by the way, I should say, Tammy, for people listening that are interested in this, they're driving, they can't write this down. We'll have this for you on our show notes at Clark dot com. Okay. So, so you, you you pretty much
2: you pretty much have to give card. the
0: social if you okay. want to get the well, prices.
2: That's what I wanted to know. Do I have to give it to them.
0: Yep, you got to let them dig into your life that way. Jonathan joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, how you doing? Great, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, you want to talk about your retirement money? Yes, sir. What's going on? So a couple years ago, you know, I started
2: my 401k, but I went with the Roth option, and I started when I was 21. I'm still I'm 25 now, and I want to know if the traditional 401k or the roth would be a better option you know for the future you know because I'm not getting any tax breaks now because they're taxing the money now
0: right so the the roth 401k at 25 years old is an overwhelmingly superior choice to doing a traditional 401k okay and I'm going to give you the reasons okay number 1 you got 40 years in front of you for that money to grow tax-free. Think about that money growing 40 years in what will ultimately all be taxable with no idea of what tax rates will be. It, and your income in your 20s is historically lower than your income is later in your working life as you get more experience, more training and stuff. You tend to make more money later in your working career so definitely up to about age 40 it's pretty much automatic you're better served by being in a roth 401k than a a traditional 401k okay
2: so i think i might stick with that option there
0: and as far as what kind of investment choices i recommend in your 20s you want to be overwhelmingly in stock type choices in that plan even though over the next 40 years, stock market goes up and down like a roller coaster, but over the long haul, uh, stocks reflect the value of companies and the wealth that they bring to their shareholders. You're best off being overwhelmingly in stocks, the stock choices you have available.
2: Okay. And, you know, I'm looking to buy a house, so I didn't know if the, you know, going with the traditional... You know, getting that tax break would help, too.
0: So. Wouldn't bother. Okay. The tax break's not not worth enough. And you got to be in a position in life where you're making just huge money in your 20s, which would be true for a professional athlete, an entertainer, maybe some techies. Everybody else, by far, should be in the Roth 401k. And if you don't have a 401k at work, the Roth IRA. Moonshee is with us on the Clark Howard Show. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Clark? Great. Thank you. How can well, I serve you in the real estate orbit? Yes. So um, I, I have a
2: house that I live in right now, and I've up since I bought it in 2002 or 2013 at that timeline, and I have um, pretty good equity buildup. So I, I was planning. Uh, is it a good idea to take a loan from the equity and invest on a t- rental property, or the second option for me is to sell out all my, you know, stocks. I don't stocks and get money for the down payment for uh, for investment property.
0: So the question of selling stocks to come up with the down payment on the rental property really is determined by this. If you are in stocks that you like, you're happy with the companies you're in, you want to keep those stocks, because otherwise if you sell them to take the money and use it for a down payment, you have to pay capital gains tax for selling them. Not a huge tax, but you have to pay tax. And so the decision first has to be, if you were looking at buying stocks today, would you buy the ones you have Or would you say, no way do I want those? Or are you still happy with them that you still would want to have them? What do you think?
2: Um, I think I would still buy them. And I mostly play on the safer side. Those are ETFs.
0: Okay, so if that's where you are, then you want to see if you can come up with, on a rental property, 30% down. Because that's the point where you get the most favorable mortgage rates on an investment or rental property. Can you do uh, a borrowing against your existing home that will give you enough to come up with 30% down?
2: Yes, I, I think it will. Yeah.
0: So if you could do that, remember on your principal residence, you borrow money generally cheaper than you can on an investment property. But if you get to 30% down, the difference in the interest rate between your primary residence and the rental property is pretty tiny and you should be in really great shape and you'll have that instant equity as well as maintaining a decent amount of equity on your principal home. That sounds like a good combo deal.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
0: I'm doing fine. How are you today, Clark? Great, thank you. So you have a question for me about, is it title insurance?
2: No, um, I drive around at night and I've been hearing all these ads on the radio and they are talking about how you should lock your home title down and that credit freeze and identity theft protection won't help you and that somebody can somehow pass themselves off as you. Oh, and, and sell
0: your home right out from under you?
2: exactly yeah this is this has
0: been all right i would tell you that has been such a rare 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 event that you know you can't protect yourself against everything in life but i would say that that is so rare that of the things to put on your list of worries that doesn't make it for me okay
2: i wasn't too worried about it but they've been
0: advertising very heavily yeah well well, i'll tell you there's something that is never advertised that actually is important and it's what i thought you were going to ask me about and that's something known as owner's title insurance and what that is is when you buy a home you have to pay for an insurance policy that protects your lender in the event anybody ever challenges your rightful ownership of your home and at the, at the time, particularly when you buy a home, pretty cheaply you can piggyback an owner's title policy, which protects you and all the equity you put into your home if there's ever anybody challenging your rightful ownership.
2: Hmm, I hadn't heard of that one.
0: Yeah, that nobody ever talks about it because generally it's not a profitable insurance for them to sell, but it's a great thing to have next time you buy a home ask about what's known as owner's title or simultaneous title insurance but as far as trying to protect yourself from somebody who's trying to steal your home and using some form of uh, title coverage to do that i have not recommended that i would not and i think it is money not not well spent how about that you're listening to the clark howard show Thanks for tuning into the Clark Howard Show today. And if you're like me, you like deals, well, we got our deal diggers hard at work at ClarkDeals.com that help you save money day in and day out. We work around the clock to find the best deals for your wallet. And they're on a variety of consumer items. Check out ClarkDeals.com.